Hello and welcome to Repertory Screenings, episode 17. I'm your host, Emin. With me are my regular co-hosts, Jackson. Hello. And Destiny. Ahoy hoy. And we're here to talk about movies. Who's Woo! seen a fucking movie? Not me! I watched Dark Star. How was Dark Star? It was fabulous. That's a weird movie. It's a what? A weird... uh, it's a weird movie. Oh, no, it's it's a good movie is what it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I think I like it more than Alien. It's definitely more fun than Alien. Like, Alien is like a better made movie in just about every aspect, but I think I'd rather watch Dark Star. Interesting. I mean, they're basically the same thing. It's a comedy, low, no-budget version of Alien in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. But it's good. Jackson, you watched a movie. Did I? This is the first time hearing of it. You watched a movie for a, a competing film podcast. Oh, yeah, I, I guess that was before this one when we recorded. I'm looking at the dates, and yeah, that does work out. Yep. Um, I also looked at our spreadsheet and was like, Jackson, you absolutely watched a movie. <laughs> I, I just thought that was seven years ago at this point. <laughs> it was so long ago. Yeah, I, I was on Cower Hour talking about the movie Resident Evil, the first one, 2002. Resident Evil, Paul W. Sanderson movie. It's great. You can hear me talk about it on that podcast. Uh, it's Nora the worst O'Brien. one of those. Um, I was surprised how good it was, because that's okay. what I remember too, but it was very good. Um, um, I've seen, I mean, I saw that one in a theater when it came out. I've seen that like six times. It's fine. It's fine. I don't feel like super enthused about it. She she roundhouse kicks that dog. It's incredible. Yeah. Like I know what do you want from I know, cinema? But she has a there's a dog fight in like four or five that's way cooler. Uh yes. No, the the meme where the dogs start doing the Resident Evil thing? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um No, movie four's on another level. Mm-hmm. Uh, is uh, that four? Yeah. That that okay. that is the one. Four's the one. After yeah. uh, at this point they all blend together for me. Yeah, I have the same problem. Four's the one with Wentworth Miller. Okay. Good. Right. The best movie. Yes. God. It is really good. Um, he wants damage reports. Yeah. I've watched a bunch of movies. I'm trying to go through Criterion Sci-Fi. They have a 70s sci-fi thing that's like only in January. So I'm trying to get to them all. And it was, it's 18 movies and I'd only seen like four of them. So I've been watching a lot of movies. Um, and, you know, I don't want to run through everything. I think the movie that I liked the most is The Omega Man. Which I had uh, not seen. I I saw the Will Smith movie, obviously. I am Legend, and I read the book. Uh, I am Legend that both these movies are based on, and uh, I went into Omega Man assuming it was going to be. Um, I guess I was expecting something a little more like a straight adaptation, um, but it's not. In that, like. I Am Legend is a movie about vampires, and instead of doing vampires, they do, like, it's still a biological agent has caused everyone to change, but they've changed into, like, weird mutant albino cultists. Like, it very much becomes a story about Charlton Heston fighting a bunch of hippies that are roaming the streets at night uh, in a very deliberate way that I think is really good. Um and uh, I, 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 I liked it quite a bit. I was very surprised by it. Um, he doesn't quite know that Charlton Heston's like one of the most contemptible human beings ever on screen, but it's fine. It's uh, it works around that in interesting ways because he's still he's still wrong uh, because he's Charlton Heston and everyone else is like the new paradigm for humanity. He's still Charlton Heston going around beating up hippies. Yes. <laughs> you can't really March. avoid that. He marched with Dr. King. It's so weird. He's so weird. Yes. Um, 
as always, everyone should watch uh, Planet of the Apes, where he literally uh, is goes into deep space to die on this mission because he hates humanity so much. Um, it's perfect. It's the best thing you could do to Charles Tastin is make him suffer in uh, ape future. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Correct. Yep. Uh, it would be so good. That whole franchise is amazing. Yeah. Uh, so... With that, it's time to get into our movie this week. Uh, we've watched The Right Stuff, uh, which is directed by Philip Kaufman, uh, screenplay by Philip Kaufman, uh, asterisks on that, based on the, uh, you know, the book by Tom Wolfe. Uh, this came out in 1983. Jackson, do you want to tell us what the hell The Right Stuff's about? Uh, <laughs> the Right Stuff is about uh, the Mercury 7 astronauts which is the U.S.'s first space, like manned spaceflight program, um, but it's also about uh, Chuck Yeager, who's a famous test pilot from before that, uh, and basically about the changing face of what it means to be a test pilot and go fast in machines uh, in the forties to the sixties. Yeah, um, and through all that, also like a weird satire of America, but also not enough. Um, it's it's a very weird movie. It's three hours long, but that's that's kind of the whole plot. There's nothing. There's no. There's no other. There's nothing else there in terms of like the sheer. Here's what happens. That is just what happens. Um, it, it just all comes in the fact that it's a three hour fucking movie. Uh, I chose this because when I watched it as a teenager, I thought it was incredible. Uh, it was like, oh, this is an incredible movie. It's three hours long. Not one second is wasted. What an amazing time. And it's that one bit that's a bit weird and racist. But uh, that's the only bit that struck me as weird at the time, uh, which is strange because this oh, movie only is weird. one only one bit is weird and racist. <laughs> Again, I was a teenager. Yes, no, I know. <laughs> um, so, I, and I was very curious, like knowing what it's about and not really remembering it, but knowing that my feelings on America, space, uh, like the industrialization of this kind of technology, um, and what it means to like conquer the skies and all those things. My feelings of those have changed dramatically in the last six, uh, seven years. No, God, eight, 2012. No, it was like early 2013, I think, when I saw this movie. Um, okay. I think it might be, it might actually be April. Uh, I went and checked Letterbox. It's still there. <laughs> okay. Um, but that was when I saw the movie, and I've changed a lot. I was like, I'd be, I'd be very curious to revisit this. I wonder if it holds up. Uh, I can't believe I thought this was like a normal, serious movie when I watched it. What <laughs> the fuck was wrong with me? I can't tell if anyone understood what this movie was at the time. Is the thing I, I like, including Philip Kaufman. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. So this movie. Um, was like not very successful box office wise. It did not make its even its like stated budget back. But then got a bunch of Oscar nominations. Uh, won a bunch. Was critically acclaimed. But as far as I can tell, everyone who think thought it was really good at the time read it extremely straight. And I don't know. I don't understand. Other than the '80s were a weird time. Everyone had broke brain. <laughs> yeah, everyone must have just had broke '80s brain and. It's it's weird. So where do you want to start? Um, Destiny, what did you? How did you find this movie? <laughs> I feel it like it was all ahead. over the place. Like sometimes it was a very funny sort of satire of how ridiculous the publicity machine becomes around the Mercury Seven. Um, going from like Loner Jaeger to John Glenn. 
being really smooth at a press conference. Um, and then, like, showing how bumbling we were as a country to try to beat the Soviets. And then when, obviously, they get their person in orbit before we do, I don't know, a lot of the bumbling was really funny. And it, the idea that they're like, oh, we want to use stock car pilots because they have their own helmets is very funny. Uh, because they should be able to just make helmets. It's weird. Anyway. But then, like, the movie all have these tone shifts. Like, it starts as this very solemn sort of... Almost like a Western story of life and death with all these test pilots and their wives. And then all the domestic drama is still there, but it just takes on this goofy tone, and then it becomes this epic... I don't know what I thought of this movie. Like, sometimes I really enjoyed it. Sometimes I thought it was really dumb. Um, and I can't tell, like, when I read the behind the scenes, apparently when the original writer was going to work on it, he wanted to do, like, a patriotic movie. And then Philip Coffin was like, no, 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 no patriotism, just Jaeger. But it still feels like a weird jingoistic movie anyway? I don't no, know. Yes. No patriotism, just a movie about the rugged individualist of cowboys. <laughs> Thank yes. you. Yes. So that uh, was kind of funny. Yeah, originally, uh, William Goldman uh, of all the President's Men fame was tapped to write this and wrote a script, and it did not give a fuck about Chuck Yeager, unsurprisingly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, did not end up getting the uh, thing. This was also like part of his reason for it being like patriotic was this is right after the Iran hostage thing, so. Country, uh, the tone of the country is in a weird place. Yeah, the eighties were weird. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah, the revisiting this movie was strange because I like I think a lot of the the broad comedy and the parody of the American machine works, but then not all the not in every scene, and in some key scenes, it becomes very clear that. They they're like you know I am they are presenting a thing and I having the politics that I have and reading into it a certain way but they don't necessarily think that this is like proof that the entire U S kind of like industrial machine is broken or an evil yeah um, because the scenes where it like feels like that but they're still very earnest when the astronaut astronaut survives and there's a big parade right you're still meant to be like hooray he made it yes he truly <laughs> has the right stuff yeah. <laughs> Um, the thing the for me, so this opens with the Chuck Yeager stuff where he's flying test planes, trying to break the sound barrier, um, which leads to the space race, obviously. And the, the, I assume the book draws these lines a little clearer, but they keep cutting back to him being rugged, riding planes, increasingly being marginalized by this new space future where everyone's going to the moon or trying to go to the moon. Um, all the Chuck Yeager stuff is woefully boring. Oh my God. The only good thing about it is Barbara Hershey is his wife, and she's a great actress, and that's about it. Yeah, it's just it's just cowboy shit riding around, getting into planes, asking for gum. Like they Falling they treat they, they treat every one of his famous test flights as like a lark. Like oh, he just lucked into doing this or just decided to do it. All of these were planned flights. Like the like the fakeness of it all is so profound in these that it it's just ludicrous, and it's not like a satire or anything. It's just broad 
uh, not even parody, but like myth of itself. And it's, it sucks. It's intolerable. It goes on forever. When they're standing in the burning bar talking about their marriage, I'm like, this is terrible. What are we watching? We are wasting our time. This is two and a half hours into a three hour movie. <laughs> Yeah, that stuff is weird because, like, the stuff with the space race program is like the most uh, effective the parody gets. Right when they're mm-hmm. like going, when they're just like having this intense competition with actual monkeys who are just sitting there, um, yes, and stuff like that. Uh, but then it's clear that, like, while that stuff is like subversive and kind of sarcastic and how it portrays itself, this movie is deathly earnest about this fucking cowboy guy just going ah. Oh, let me some gum. I'm gonna go break the record. <laughs> Truly, that's what it's ch- all about. <laughs> Can I tell my Chuck Yeager story that isn't really my story? Yes. Uh, yes. My friend who is in the Air Force, very, very high-ranking Air Forceman, also has a beautiful singing voice. So at one of the anniversary, because Chuck Yeager is still alive, he's still with us. So I'm gonna slander him here, um, <laughs> and he's gonna sue us. Anyway. Parody, parody, parody. Don't don't tell any. This is alleged, allegedly. Yahoo okay. anime rules apply. Yeah. So leading up to the, I don't know what anniversary it would have been of the sound barrier breaking, he would have to come into Edwards Air Force Base where my friend worked, uh, to like just see people for different things. And if there was a woman at the front, he would ask to speak to a man. If the person wasn't white <laughs> he would ask for the closest to white person <laughs> so if they were black he would be disgusted and ask for a white person so if they were latino he'd be like oh at least they're not black and he would just say that to them he'd go i'd like your near whitest person to deal with me today um and then when my friend who has a beautiful singing voice and is in the air force had to sing the national anthem you know it's military they all have to stand and Chuck Yeager would not stand. And my friend was trying to get him to stand, and he couldn't perform because he wouldn't stand. And when people were, like, giving him dirty looks and stuff, he would yell, Let me sit! Let me sit! And that's my Chuck Yeager story. I can't believe that the cowboy Air Force pilot uh, was some kind of a horrible, racist, awful person. Who could have seen? Who could have seen? Yeah, no, that's kind of how I took it. But yeah, that that made me like the day that I watched this film with M was the day that that friend just happened to call me up on the phone and I mentioned, oh, we're watching the right stuff, and he's like, you know who's a dick? That Chuck Yeager. We should probably bleep out my friend's name. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's not gonna happen. But <laughs> I just don't want him to get in trouble. Oh well, it's not his fault. Yeager's a racist. Maybe he'll just die next week. He's like ninety ten. You know, he's he's uh, he's ancient. He's up there. He's up yeah, there. He's... <laughs> then it won't be a problem anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't listen to podcasts. He doesn't know what they are. You got to stand up to listen to podcasts. <laughs> I don't think I've ever listened to a podcast standing up, Jackson. Never. You never listen to a podcast while walking. I typically put on music if I'm walking somewhere. Uh, okay. You know, I've done it before. You know, I'm like, really sedentary, so I barely ever go on walks but ideally it'd be nice to like listen to a podcast while you're working out i know people do that normies do that oh wait shouldn't use that word but people do that anyway uh we go to the mercury 7 team and we get a bunch of ridiculous characters um and you know like 
Little-known actors like Dennis Quaid and, and Harris. Ed Harris, yes, and, uh, <laughs> Scott Glenn and Fred Ward. And they were little-known at the time. Lance Henriksen. I can't, I can't comprehend them being little-known in 1983 because that was just their heyday after this movie. After this movie, they all blew up. Yes. I was also like, wait, didn't, did Ed Harris, was he never young? Was Ed Harris never young? <laughs> he looks really young in this to me. And then we saw he was in Creep Show for a minute with his big belt buckle, remember? Yep. And that was a little bit after this, and he still wasn't quite he famous. Looked, he looked younger in Creep Show. The part here <laughs> is that he's playing like living Buzz Lightyear, like he's just the boyest Boy Scout in all the land. Um, he's very hard to take seriously, and I feel like the movie thinks it's charming, and I think it's ridiculous. I was I think- only charmed when he was with his wife. All the yes. scenes of his wife were like cute as hell. What were you gonna I, say, Jackson? I think the movie thinks he's ridiculous or not. Like that entire scene with the um, press conference, where he like elects himself as a spokesman. First of all, to kind of because no one else can do it and or wants to, but then afterwards just keeps going for so long that he's just speaking bullshit. And I the movie understands that. Hmm. I think the movie makes fun of him a lot because there's even a scene where he says to his wife, "Am I really fucking Dudley Do Right?" And she's like, "Yeah, you are Dudley Do Right." Yeah, it's just hard to tell because he's also the, like, noble leader of these group of men who have made history. And the movie is not f- joking around when it talks about that stuff. No, no. but it, because he, like, stands up for for his wife to, um... LBJ. Um, L- LBJ, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actual <laughs> hero of this movie, whoever they got to fucking... <laughs> Like, so contort like, around LBJ. He was like a Simpsons character, <laughs> yes. by the way. I kept expecting him to shoot guns into the air. <laughs> so that's the other thing, right? Is that while the stuff with the astronauts and Chuck Yeager especially is very earnest about what it means to, to race the demon in the sky, uh, which is, um, you know, very gay and all that. Uh, and, <laughs> and I mean the movie doesn't understand that uh, it's not It's not like you know people make those jokes about Top Gun it's not really like that kind of movie but it's funny when they give that monologue very seriously um, anyway earnest about that but the second it gets out of that like shadow of the noble men who like risk their lives for this uh, all of the, the like reverence comes off and every politician in this movie is a cartoon like the bit the first time they go to to washington and uh jeff goldblum comes in and he's like it's called sputnik <laughs> and then he and harry Shearer are just going back and forth with like <laughs> they found the plug can you plug it in can you plug the thing in oh which one's on the left is it is it gagarin on the left what's going on here anyway <laughs> and then there's a ridiculous russian person in the room being like our germans are better than their germans <laughs> It's it's so ridiculous. Like it's completely impossible to take seriously. It's just buffoonish. Oh, uh, those get Jeff Goldblum, Harry Shearer scenes are what make this movie like give it an extra star rating for me. Uh, they should yeah. have been in the movie way more. I would watch yes. a whole movie of the, them. The ninety-minute movie that's just about them trying to wrangle a space program out of nothing other than like gumption is would be the best movie. Absolutely. They, they both bring the exact notes needed to make that like some powerful comedic acting. Uh, yes. I went to there's an oral history of this movie on like Wired or somewhere. I think it was, uh, and one of the notes that they said is that we didn't have any lines. He just said, "Just be funny." <laughs> really? 
Yeah. yeah. It's all improv. That's amazing. So all of their bits are just them, which makes like the thing where they're watching the television and spend like, there's a whole five minute scene of them pointing at the other characters on TV. Oh, I yes. love that scene. And I love how Harry Shearer is just Smithers that whole time. There's a bit where, I, I don't know if it's meant to be his character because it doesn't like point out, but there's there's an, an archive footage um, newsreel thing, but it's definitely him doing Skinner, his Skinner voice. Um <laughs> So not the Smithers voice he's doing in the movie, uh, but there's a bit where he's clearly it's clearly Principal Skinner giving this monologue over this newsreel. Uh, well, yeah, you tell Harry Shearer to do his official like I'm an important guy voice. Right. He's going to do Skinner, right? Like this is well before the Simpsons. Well exists. before, but it's, it's just the same voice, the exact same voice. It was yes. so funny. Uh, uh, yeah, all that so stuff funny. is uh, a delight. Uh, whenever it's just the broad comedy stuff, I like that a lot. The other thing that Vera's mentioning is the press in this movie are just like a swarm of cameras and people in hats and ties climbing over stuff to get at the astronauts. Like, they eventually burst into frame anytime any astronaut is standing around too long as, like, <laughs> the encroaching It Follows monster, but as the American <laughs> press corps. <laughs> Did you read the Wikipedia page about how he like achieved a lot of the sounds? Mm-hmm. For yeah, that? it's like yeah, it's all very fake sound design, and also it's like an improv group that they hired to do it all. Good, I was gonna ask because like the, every time they're like in the background, there's like vague people going, you know, just they're not saying words because you can't pick them out, but they're all just saying ah, blah, 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 the sevens. Yes. <laughs> it's really <laughs> funny. Oh, they've all they've all got the hat. Every single one of them has the hat. The outfits yes. for all the presses are on point. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like cricket sounds and camera clicks that they put in in the background of their murmuring. It's very funny. Yeah. There's a lot of good special effects stuff. I kept forgetting this movie was made in 1983, and I kept expecting, like, <laughs> Apollo 13, which is, you know, how many years later? 10? 12 years later? 12, I think. 12, I think yeah, yeah, like, I kept expecting that level of, like, space effects. Yeah, once you get into space, uh, actually, I think the thing for me that I think is actually the most takes me out of it is the early test light footage where it's clearly just a model and some smoke. I'd rather have the optical effect that looks worse because the the model looks so much like a model. It looks so much like a model. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, the special effects are great, but, like, you forget what movie you're watching. Like, it, it takes you out of the movie when you realize, like, oh, yeah, they can't just do... It's kind of a backwards thing to say, but, like, I don't know. I just kept expecting, like, these really state-of-the-art camera things. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. We're limited by what year it is. <laughs> uh, it, it, it was a throwback for its time. Um, this is all in the um, thing as well, the, the oral history thing. That, like, they got they did test footage with the, like, uh, ILM Star Wars stuff uh, and the, like, more modern style at the time. But then, because the movie itself is about the old days... They're like, we're going to do it like the old days, because we too have oh, the, oh, right the aviator. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, yeah, that's, that's fair. Funny. Like, the once they're actually out in space, I think the, like, 70s, like, vague psychedelia effects actually work really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I like them a lot. The, the model shots of the planes at the beginning, specifically, I just thought were... They took me directly out of the movie, especially since at that point, the movie has just been, like, very somber about itself, just like... 
this this uh, very staid Western about this guy who's out here f- uh, pushing the edge of the envelope, which is said no less than 50 times in this movie. The um, but then he also chases after his wife and slams into a branch and gets a concussion and breaks some ribs or whatever, which uh, I guess should have tipped me off. But. That was the part where I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> this movie's funny, I guess. Because he just falls all the way over. I like the part when the guy broke the other guy's broom to make the little the uh yes that yeah, was also that was, funny that was fun i i love astronaut stories like that and test pilot stories like that that's 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 where it gets me that's where i'm roped in i'm like oh they yeah. had to go by their wits i'm i'm a, i'm on i'm on that that i eat that up about the envelope thing that this movie really like, its script is weird it's a weird script it loves to have like allusions to earlier scenes but it doesn't do illusions it does they will just repeat the fucking words. It's the same words. Yes, it does yes. just like 12 different things where people would phrase differently, but they all use the same exact phrase. There's like a bit where they just do the like, you know, it makes your plane go up funding. And they do the whole speech. I'm like, yeah, I heard it early in the movie. You just have to allude to it. But no, yes. they do the, the, um, the gum speech three full times. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say the creepiest on-screen minister I've ever seen. Even creepier than the guy in Poltergeist 3. Yes. God. And he sticks, around, he sticks around way longer than that character should exist in the movie. Like, he's there watching the rockets take off uh, after everyone's, like, moved to uh, Houston and Cape Canaveral and stuff. Like, he just oh. hangs around like this specter of death over the entire movie. <laughs> I think that's I mean, important. that's what they're doing, right? Like, yeah, yeah, no, I know. Yeah. But, like, they, they never draw attention to it other than he's there, right? Like, yeah, they it's want a movie you to that's remember... stuff full of a lot of ideas that are not developed past, hey, we put this thing in. I don't know. I felt like it was... It was a very intentional, very developed, like, don't forget the human cost of this. I feel like if, if that was what they were doing, they should have ended this with Gus Grissom dying in Apollo 1. Uh, and yeah. And not where it ended. It ends with a weird, <laughs> weird voiceover. Technically, they do! <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, yeah. like, the, talk briefly about the ending. It gets all the way up to, uh, you know, the LBJ, after they move the space program to Houston or whatever, has a big barbecue and a lady doing a naked fan dance, and, uh... Claire Delune plays, and all I think of is the end of Ocean's Eleven as they all like lovingly look at each other in this horrible nightmare scenario. Like they're all just hanging out, but all I can think of is like the cop convention in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas because they're just stuck <laughs> in Americana hell. And this beautiful song plays, and then uh, Gordo Cooper, who's Dennis Quaid's character, who's just been the most contemptible man this entire movie, He's but so the movie awful. doesn't know it. He sucks so bad. Um, gets to go faster than any American has ever gone, and he, he orbits the Earth twenty two times and then the voiceover is like and he, he became the greatest pilot that's ever lived at that moment also gus grissom died <laughs> the end <laughs> the end leave on helm here it just goes in coal miner's daughter <laughs> <laughs> yeah he literally just goes and then in three years time gus grissom burned to death anyway uh gordo is the fastest american which means he's the best pilot ever please ignore the russians don't think about the russians it's 1983 nobody think about the russians yeah uh except when they show the russians uh the best thing this movie does literally the single best thing is when it shows the soviet rockets take off like laughing a russian wizard of oz head comes out of the fire (laughs) of the rockets to mock um, the americans uh with all of its communist fury and it's ridiculous Uh, absolutely it's, it's pitch perfect, right? It's like an amazing Rorschach test. Because I love that, but I assume people who are like, damn, damn those Russians, they really are laughing at us, also love that. 
yes. <laughs> from their hell. I that won't was go very... to sleep under the light of a communist moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a lot. Um, I wish the whole movie had that tone. Uh, instead, we get like the middle part of this movie is like a montage that I would like, except it basically opens with uh, Scott Glenn as Alan Shepard doing like the most racist Mexican accent for no good reason. Uh, and then like 20 minutes later has a Mexican character go, ah, oh, you were, you know what? Your racist Mexican voice was pretty funny. Yeah. And then the joke is he doesn't have a Mexican accent. Yeah. He, he has a big, like... deep white guy voice. Yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure he's mimicking an Ed Sullivan character, yes, which is. is even more like, Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he, and then when he's taking off in the rocket, he also says some racist shit about Mexicans. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and that isn't even the racist part of the movie. <laughs> no. Nope. Uh, because later you get some mystical Australian Aborigine magic, maybe saving Sky Glenn as he orbits, or uh, John. Glenn. Sorry, uh, uh, John Glenn as he orbits the Earth. They all have the same name. They're all called yeah. John Chuck Glenn. Ke- they're all the fucking. They're all just the most like picked out of a hat American names. Yes. I mean, Dink. Um, yeah, that scene with the Aboriginal uh, Australians was very weird because they don't really give you any explanation at all as to what's going on in that scene, and then like all the stuff that's implied is really, really, really gross. Yeah, yes. they, makes it... they, they, they use their magic to save his capsule with weird space fireflies that are never explained other than I think they're uh, I, the thing I is think I don't they're... think the capsule does that but the whole thing is isn't that supposed to be like when you vacate the P it glitters in the space like I think that's in Apollo 13 I thought so my implication of the, the fireflies was that that is the like part of his uh, capsule that had burned off. That's he, what I thought. And he was too. thinking, "Oh, look how beautiful it is." And they were like, "Ah, oh, he's gonna fucking die. He's gonna die." Yeah, yeah that's I how I interpreted. I didn't see that, that as connected to the uh, the stuff in Australia. Well, they purposely make it like the they, they literally intercut the two it. things. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they intercut. Yes, no, the framing is is that, but like the actual fireflies, I saw them as just that was this thing burning up. Yeah, me too. Oh, I, I but, feel like the movie definitely implies this is also this also could be read as the space magic that they use oh, to save. Oh, I think both things are going on simultaneously. I'm just saying I interpreted it like their reaction to him was, oh, he's seeing what's about to kill him, mm-hmm. and that's what made it tenuous. But since it was so racist, it undercut the scene. <laughs> yes, oh, it's super racist, and especially as like it's it's try, it's the best embarrassing kind of racism because it's someone in the eighties trying to be like, no, America doesn't know all the secret through its industrial ways. What if they were in touch with the nature of the world? Yeah, just the most mm-hmm. extremely racist way possible. Like you can't it's do very that. Star Trek racist. Do that. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Where it's like we we mean well, but we're being the worst. <laughs> it's 1983, and I'm a white boomer guy. Boomer fodder. This whole movie's boomer fodder. I still enjoyed yes. it, but my yes. god. Like I think of this as like a movie for dads, and watching the movie, uh, it's definitely still that. But I can't believe that it got away with being that, given the like the parts of it that are not that are so extremely weird. Mm-hmm. It's like 45 straight minutes of the Harry uh, Shearer Jeff Goldblum stuff. <laughs> Yes. Oh, so good. He's talking, he's like going up to Alan Shepard and being like, hey, do you want to be on a space program while vomiting? Like, it's... Yes. 
It's so and, much. And then he and then he just gives like a big fake smile and goes, "Sounds dangerous. Sign me up." Yeah, everyone talks like robots throughout yes. the entire film. I don't know what is up with the dialogue. It's just so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the part where the movie frames itself like on the bookends as very serious just makes me question everything that I think is funny and good as like, did they know? Did they just fuck up this much? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, 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 don't know. I, I definitely literally like, can't tell enjoy the more um tongue-in-cheek side of it uh but i you know you can't endorse what they're saying right yeah um we watch the you know we watch macros plus uh as a whole (laughs) bunch we so like the thing is me and em deal with a lot of these themes in anime all the time without the american part sometimes you know sometimes the american part yeah sometimes the the american American part (laughs) Usually without the American sometimes part. sometimes directly the American part and sometimes the Japanese nationalism part which is also uh, the American part <laughs> yes and sometimes at the same time yeah <laughs> um but like it was very weird to like draw those lines because some of them it, it had the same thing it's like sometimes it's like cutting down against this sometimes it's like yeah no the military machine will throw you away once you're like PR uh uses uh you know used up right because. That bit where Gus Grissom, the thing, ex- uh, explodes, um, and he gets out, and it's kind of embarrassing, and it's in the middle of the Bay and Pigs time, and they're like, uh, and they just don't, they just don't give him any of the like rewards that he's meant to have. Uh, apparently, that is not historically true. He was clearly trusted because they sent him the thing that burned. Uh, yeah, they knew that. Like it, it was known that it was probably a malfunction before the movie came out. Like this is an entirely an invention of the film, uh, and takes up a huge part of the plot uh, because the movie's too long and nothing happens. Well, the book. Uh, Go on. Uh, as, and also, they're picking on a guy who's dead, right? Like, they pick the one guy who can't, like, say anything about it and say he was the one who was actually a coward, probably. But, well, but, then, but then they're doing that to be like, if you think he's a coward, you're wrong. You don't understand what it's like. Because that's what the, the, they, like, wrap yeah. up with that But Yeager then they just scene. made it up. The whole thing is made <laughs> exactly. up. Exactly. Well, like, it, it, comes straight, it. it comes straight out of the Tom Wolfe book, apparently. Sure. Uh, but I thought that was weird, too. Like, why change it? Yes. Like I get wanting to make that point of like if you what would it be like you maybe you wouldn't handle handle the pressure he went up there and is the bravest person alive you can't judge him blah 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 which is fine I guess is the point you want to make but you made it up about someone who is dead and probably didn't mm-hmm. uh, so I do not you know not surprised people were mad about that one yeah uh, I will say that. Uh, uh, Tom Wolfe thinks that the movie is bad specifically because he, he the astronauts should be considered great pilots and the movie makes them look like buffoons. <laughs> Weird. He wants everyone to be the rugged cowboy guy. So. Okay. Only Chuck Yeager is the rugged cowboy guy doing his at the end at the end like it's it's weird right because the ending of the movie is not it's so it's after the um the the big climax is the John Glenn coming home or Scott Glenn yes. coming home, um, and he survives. <laughs> John Glenn, it's John, John Glenn. Scott Glenn's John the actor Glenn. who plays Alan Shepard. Oh, for fuck's sake! Yes. This this Wikipedia page has confused me. John Glenn, Scott Glenn. Yes. What is wrong? They're literally right next to each other is the thing. That's what fucked me up too. Um, 
Yeah, uh, no, there's this bit where Jaeger, who was, didn't want to join the space program or whatever, uh, now, 10 years later, as other pilots are mocking the astronauts, goes, no, it takes a special man to go up there. It's the most dangerous thing you could do. I respect them so goddamn much. I could choke on it. And <laughs> he, there's been no character development other than the bar burned down, and he talked to his wife a bit, and now he's suddenly on the side of history. And his, and his wife is, is like, you better not be being nostalgic. And he's like, no, me, never. I'll never yearn for a better time in the past i'm a cowboy <laughs> and then he, and then he does a thing that didn't happen in history and uh steals an airplane which he immediately crashes trying to get out into space or whatever which is it was just a test flight it was actually just a thing he did because that was his job that's what he did he was a test pilot but the movie plays it as like the b- big noble ending of yes. has have we lost this true rugged cowboy spirit and jaeger proves as he like comes back and there's like the damn right it's a man line right it's like no Yes. We still have it. It's still there. And it's like, he fucking crashed, dude. <laughs> he stole a plane and exploded it. Like, yeah. in the real world, it's just his job and his things go wrong. But in the plot of this movie, he, like, steals a plane with his rugged spirit, fucking tries crashes. tries to get to space himself and then crashes the plane, yes. <laughs> tries to get to space in a plane, crashes, yes. lands on the ground, and then is burnt and, like, walks away. And it's like, that's no, that's the noble thing. It's very strange that that is seen as like like there's no jokes there but it does but in the same situation for the astronauts is like very aware of how buffoonish all of this bullshit is yeah um so yeah the this movie's like big time hypocrisy um the thing the, the elephant in the room here uh when watching this is apollo 13 exists watching this movie in 2020 um Ed Harris is right there in Mission Control uh, doing what was clearly a reference to this movie, but I saw them out of order, so I did not know that. <laughs> um, and Apollo 13 obviously is like a later period, like everyone's gone to the moon, and this is like the third moon mission, and nobody cares anymore, and it's about like the triumph of human ingenuity in crisis when no one else is paying attention, um, which is its own fraught like n- national myth kind of thing. But it's also a much better movie than this one. <laughs> Would you like to know my very embarrassing, very being 18 take about the right stuff versus Apollo 13? Yes. Sure. Okay, so uh, the right stuff is better than Apollo 13 because Apollo 13 wasn't interested in like the trauma that it does to be like the person waiting on the other end, like all the stuff with the wives. But they do, they literally have a thing where like early on the wives come and like, yeah, we have a whole like thing, a support system. The wives come whenever your husband's up in space is what we do. It's how we keep everybody sane and healthy. Like they figured it out by that point. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, I know. In, in that movie, it was like, oh, they should have spent more time with that. It's, you know, bad and sexist and everything. Whatever. I was 18. Um, yes. Uh, so it was very funny because, yeah, uh, Apollo 13 is a much better movie now. Yeah. He, he, they pour all the things to the table. Yes, there's a bit where they dump everything on the table. Like, you need to fit this thing into this other thing, and they don't fit at all. And you've got everything here, and that's it. It's great. It's Yeah, re- it's pretty <laughs> It's also like good. a movie way more interested in, like, the the experience of the astronauts and not the story of their history right like it's the movie takes place over like five days right it's just like we go on the mission the mission goes bad we try to get home we succeed um and in that way like it's just like it has a narrative arc that is more satisfying um 
Yeah, I mean, I, I watched Any Mother Team dozens of times getting up, yes, uh, growing up. So I have a lot of affection for it. But also Ed Harris in that as uh, Gene Kranz, the flight director, uh, in his vest, uh, being tough and shouting orders is, is so much better than Ed Harris in The Right Stuff, even though he's probably the best part of The Right Stuff in terms of like major cast. Uh, yeah, for sure. It's it's strange. I don't know. Like these kind of space movies are weird because like Americans have broken brain about space and have done forever. Yeah, uh, that Ronald D. Moore thing. And Ronald D. Moore is like people like his DS Nine stuff. No, not be someone expect to be this completely broken about things. But then Do you he want to explain that... what you're talking about? Okay, so uh, uh, yes, yeah, so I was building up to it. So um, uh, Ronald D. Moore, obviously famous for uh, the DS Nine and Star Trek stuff, and did a lot of the Klingon stuff. So that's where I know him from. Uh, I know that his brain supposedly started to break after nine eleven because I know people do not like some of the way that Battlestar Galactica goes about politics. Um, and this has culminated in a twenty nineteen Apple TV television series called For All Mankind, which you're not allowed to do because that name is taken. But whatever. Uh, oh yeah, actually, what you should do: uh, fuck all these fiction movies and watch the documentary For All Mankind. Yeah, movie. <laughs> yep. Uh. Where the moon landing is completed by the Russians and the Americans lost the space race. And what would they do next? And what they would do next is redefine the space race to be something else and try to do that. Because that's what the moon landing already was. But the oh, thing do you want to do you want to tell them that. what they redefine the space race as? The redefine the space race as? Nixon's like, we need a woman on the moon. Nixon! Nixon's putting a fucking woman on the moon. Well, King Richard Nixon is sending women to the moon. I'm with her. Nixon's with her. Uh, they're going to the moon. <laughs> and he's going to beat the fucking sexist communists who went to the moon with men, like bad people in the 60s. Uh, this was released last year. I obviously didn't watch it because it's awful, but I peeked in. I saw the first 10 minutes and the, the opening... Um, of like the montage of everyone watching the moon landing, but then it reveals that they're speaking Russian and the Russian flag is so embarrassing. It's so terrible. And the trailer where they reveal that the plan is that Nixon's like, I want a woman on the moon now is so funny. So the, the potential for people to like, or have all like sense of history, lose them when they think about space in America is high. Right, because the the Russians run, they won the space. The Americans didn't win the space race. They went to the moon after it was over, uh, and like you know, obviously that counts as winning because they got to decide that. But it's just a propaganda thing. And we talked about this on Twitter yesterday. As propaganda things go, it's taking the piss a bit. <laughs> it's taking the piss. They were, <laughs> they were, the Russians were in space way before. Yeah, uh, but actually, it's getting to the moon. <laughs> don't tell the Russians the goal is actually getting to the moon <laughs> it's so funny because the whole thing is like the space race is a military war right like it is a whole is it a war about military te- technology yeah it's literally how do we make how do we make our missiles into rockets now right going to the moon has no tactical purpose whatsoever <laughs> not unlike engravings um so like redefining the space race as that is such a fine like why was anyone like there, there wouldn't be anyone's priority until you decide to make that the thing Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, so that was just a bit of a tangent, but uh, I I can't what think about how movies interface with the politics of the space race without thinking of for all mankind now. The TV show, not the, the TV movie. show, not the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I should watch for all mankind again. Yeah, it's good. You know what's good? Space. Anyone have any other final thoughts before we get to emails? 
uh yeah it might be problematic but uh i do i do like the uh white shirt black tie 60s space guy look yeah it's a strong aesthetic i mean you watch all of mad men so no this is this is better than the the, like you know the the weird the government guy aesthetic is different to the advertising guy aesthetic yeah fair enough i should watch twin peaks also yes that's what you should do (laughs) want to watch a good fucking thing yep whatever mad men's great oh i meant this i didn't (laughs) (laughs) i haven't seen mad men i don't have an opinion really so mad men's good also a thing where the person making it doesn't understand it. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, that happens. Uh any other thoughts or emails? We're gonna do emails. Dusty? Uh, what? Do you have any final thoughts? I'm fine. It it was all over the place. I think I was entertained overall. I didn't hate it. It just it was a lot. Yes. Uh, our first email is from Liv. Uh, personally, I did not really enjoy this one. Most of the plain space scenes are great for sure, but the only r- r- real balm for a movie that's fundamentally an ode to American exceptionalism. The movie refuses to really complicate its own cast, essentially letting off the, them off the hook for womanizing beyond a scene where Ed Harris gets a little mad and has a kind of funny disdain for the engineers actually putting together the Mercury program. It's also three hours long, which just kind of compounds all these issues. <laughs> that's true. Uh, my <laughs> question is, if the movie was the best version of itself, would that be worth praising? Uh, i.e. if this movie sold its view of America better, wouldn't that just make it a more effective piece of propaganda than anything else? Uh, oh, also the handful of times the Soviet engineers show and his face superimposed onto flame is actually the, absolutely the funniest shit I've ever seen. Which yes. is true. Uh, I mean, like, I like Apollo 13. It is absolutely American propaganda, but also it's just a good movie. So there's that. I think American that, that American that Apollo 13 is like more of that. Because Apollo 13 doesn't have the like few subversive elements that you're like, wait, do they know? Yes. Uh, yeah. Apollo 13 is just like honest that. It's just that and you watch it and you're like, that's weird, but I love the movie, right? Yeah. Um, uh, whereas I, I mean, think the whole the whole thing, like everyone made fun of uh, the Martian for sciencing the shit out of stuff. Apollo 13 is the original let's science the shit out of this movie. Yes. And it has all the same problems. It's just a better movie. <laughs> Ron Howard just knocked out of the park is the answer. It has almost all the same problems. It has all of that without the like weird China stuff. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what I think of when I think of the Martian now. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, I think that the the best version of this movie's like self looks different to like... I think the best version of the movie is the one where the like satire all lands and it's a bit meaner. Because um, I think it's in there. Uh I guess more than this email does, but I don't blame people for like coming away with it with that read because it's all it is also earnest about that stuff. I would just cut that side of it out. Yes, and, and leave Harry Shearer vomiting off the side of an aircraft carrier. Uh, we have an email from Aiden. Uh, Aiden. Aiden. It's Aiden. Why do I say Aiden every single time? That's uh, because um, you can't talk. When I saw this movie, the thing that stuck with me was how the word fuck was said like five times in a PG movie. It rung true to real life, though. Uh, please, God, let me not fuck this up. It's such a genuine use of strong language that reminded me of the handful of times I heard my parents use words like that as a young child. The story isn't something that warrants an R rating and kids won't get scarred by it. I just hear what they want to hear anyway. Uh, I thought it was a neat thing about the semantics of movie ratings that this movie did better uh, than most. Maybe a good example of how American movie ratings can feel backwards uh, with sticking movies with high ratings with arbitrary things like saying fuck, uh, even though violence is not handled the same way. That was it. Any thoughts? There isn't um, a question there, really. Movie ratings are weird. <laughs> I movie ratings they're very, are weird. They're much different in the early 80s also. Yes. 
One of my favorite funny ones is uh, that I remember watching the Transformers movie as a kid, and someone says shit in that, and I'm like, oh, someone said shit in a Transformers cartoon. Yes, uh, it's 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 weird. Um, yep. But it's fine. Um, the one thing I will say is PG-13 didn't exist when this movie came out. Uh, the first PG-13 movie was 1984's Red Dawn. So right <laughs> stuff had already been rated and came out at that point. Um, oh, Red Dawn. PG-13 is a response to uh, Temple of Doom and Gremlins because they were both PG, even though both of them are horrifically violent. <laughs> um, <laughs> I and think kids should people... see Temple of Doom because it's bad. Well, yes. It's also racist and not very good as a movie. But... Um, Gremlins, great movie, but I feel like you should probably know your kid really well before you take them to Gremlins. I, if I saw Gremlins as I was like six, I'd be scared of Gremlins. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's part of it for sure. They do say fuck a lot. I didn't really think about this being, I don't really pay attention to the ratings very much, Me but neither. I didn't think about this movie being PG. That makes sense. Yeah, no, there was just a different animal back then. PG yeah. was a different thing. Uh, I feel like... Uh, him trying to hook up with the hot scientist lady is weirder than the swear words as a PG movie. That is true. There's like an extended jacking off scene. Yes. (laughs) There is an extended... Oh, God. There is an extended jacking off scene. I had blocked (laughs) that entirely out of my brain, Jackson. supposed to be hot? What? No. Yeah, no. She's supposed to be, like, nerdy. No, but I mean, the the whole thing where then he goes in the bathroom and there's a whole three-minute thing of him jacking off while someone's humming in the stall next to him. That's all weird. Weird. Yeah. It's all bad. (laughs) Don't don't subject your children or yourselves to these scenes. That scene goes on for a long time. It goes on for a very long time. The only good thing about that is the punchline of the nurse and his wife just like getting on like gangbusters is very funny. Um, Yep. I, also, there's no. She comes out and is like, I totally lied, but they, they. There's no way those women both don't just immediately know. Yes. <laughs> this guy is a fucking scumbag. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The the payoff to his like scumbag arc is weird because it's one, it's kind of blink and you miss it. Two, mm-hmm. it's dumb in a whole different way. Yeah. Which is the. Um, he's been a sh- like a self-absorbed shitbag the entire movie, but there's one moment where he looks like he's about to break. He doesn't quite do it, but it's entirely as like at the end when they ask him who's the best pilot you've ever met, and he's about to say, uh, "It's Chuck Yeager, the the true best one of us." He has the right stuff, but then he like is distracted and the press are too much, and he comes back to just being a shitbag, and like that's the version of like his self-reflective noble self is very funny. That stuff fucking sucks. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we have emails from Tron or a Woo! email, but a lot of questions. Uh, what do you all think of the soundtrack for this movie, which we haven't mentioned? It is by Bill Conti um, of Rocky fame and broadcast news fame. Um, it's not as good but, as Rocky uh, or broadcast news. The thing, the thing here is, I feel like it's weird in that, like the early stuff in the '40s, they use a lot of synths that I think really are distracting, and then it turns into a very traditional score in the middle bit. Um, before like going back to synth stuff when they get to space. But like the part where Chuck Yeager is flying around in clouds in the forties and it's just like synth noise is weird. And I don't like it. Yeah. That stuff's strange. I feel like it really stands out. Cause it's like the synth like is the instrument of the machines and that's how what they're doing there. And I get that, but it's definitely strange when it's also trying to like harken back to, um, you know, this this is like the cowboy spirit tier or whatever. Um, the music cannot thread that needle, and also it's a dumb needle to thread in the first place. Yeah. Uh, so it's all very weird. Um, 
I definitely know, you know, and it's just, it's just basically, you know, that stuff is basically playing West Wing music, but on a synth keyboard from the 80s. So the tones, you know, are all the way off. And I, and I had a big score that was like very famous and well loved, but I, you know, I wasn't that into the score. Mm-hmm. Destiny? I just, it, it felt, it sure was a movie score. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, who's your favorite character in this movie? I liked uh, John Glenn's wife, and then I liked Goldblum and Shearer. Um, I will second all of this. Uh, I like the chimpanzees. They're very cute. Um, I like the LBJ oh, the hero. pastiche. Like, he sucks, but he the way in which he sucks is so good, because fuck that guy. Like has that shot of him when he's in the car, but the shots outside the car, and you just see the car shaking. Yes, there's a bit where he's just like banging his fist like a child against the car door. It's very good. Oh. Um, let's see. Um, a lot of these we covered, so I feel like we did a good job here. Um, would any of you like to go to outer space one day? Yeah, I mean, sure, why not? I, I would love to go to space. It would be beautiful, but I'd be so scared. I barely, li- I dislike, I can barely stand being in a plane. I'm so scared of heights. So the idea of being in space makes me want to cry. But once I get up there, I, I, I would enjoy myself. I would, I would absolutely go to space. Even if it was riskier than it is, it's not actually that dangerous. But take me to space. Uh, even if I blow up, I blew up going to space. I'll take it, honestly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, as like you know, I'd rather blow up going to space than like blow up flying to you know packs. Get run down by a car walking right, exactly. to the store. Yes, if I die, I'm going to die at the exact intersection between the Shell pe- uh, Shell petrol station and the McDonald's on the other side, where I have to cross over sometimes. That's it. That, that, that no one looks. Nobody looks when they fucking turn there. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's way risky than going to space. I do that every fucking day. Yes. Uh, so that's it Uh, thank you Tron for all the questions but I think we nailed all of them Uh, we did a good job today Uh, next week we are going to be watching uh, the movie Outrage from 1950 uh, directed by Ida Lupino you can find this on YouTube. I couldn't find it on other streaming services. I didn't look super hard, but they didn't have it on the site we usually use for this uh, because there's a very famous uh, Asian movie called Outrage that I think overtook all of the <laughs> SEO for this. But it is on YouTube. Uh, it's 75 minutes because there's a B picture from the from 1950. Uh, but uh, I'm excited to watch it. And that's what we're going to be doing. So, you know, it's available to everyone. I um, hope the quality's not bad because I didn't look yet. Um but uh that's it uh content warning on that one it is about sexual assault so um you know forewarned okay um but that's it uh plugs destiny where can people find you online at fridge buzz now pretty much anywhere jackson you can find me at headfuls off you can find the other podcasts that we do out of normapping.com there's a whole bunch of good ones there you should listen to them i i i assume there's very few people who listen to this as their only normal mapping podcast but if you if that's you then you should let me know i'd be curious yeah if you only listen to this um congratulations uh, you're my favorite of the, all the listeners um <laughs> I was going to say maybe our friend Casey, but I think he listens to GGP now that we're covering G Gundam. So yeah, it checks out. Yeah. But, uh, 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is the this is the one that I like feel the most protective of because I understand that movie podcasts are hard. I don't like listening to them because I haven't seen them. If I haven't seen the movie, I don't want to like listen to the podcast, but also I don't have time to watch a bunch of movies along with a podcast. So everyone who does is a champion. Thank you very much. Too busy watching a bunch of movies to make a podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> are you done with your plugs, Jackson? Can I go? I got yes, distracted yes. where we were. Okay. Yes. Uh, I am on Twitter at EM underscore being. Uh, as Jackson said, you can find all of our podcasts at abnormalmapping.com. I think you should listen to our game club abnormal mapping you can find it at the bestgame.club we are rapidly approaching our 100th episode which is about uh the outer wilds uh, we're hopefully going to get some emails from people just talking about the show uh, we probably won't introspect too much because we do enough of that already honestly <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but we're just gonna have a good game club if you want to send in thoughts about the entire show please do uh like you send questions here podcast abnormalmapping.com i don't think i even said that the lead up to questions doing a bad hosting job today i'm ready for lunch um and uh, you can uh, listen to all of that. Uh, Gundam's great. You can support us at patreon.com slash mapping. You'll get the great Gundam project. You'll get writing. Um, sometimes it's about movies. Um, we actually, it's a little expensive, but at the $10 level, we have VoIP Life, which is uh, me and Jackson every two weeks have a podcast. We just kind of goof off and talk about whatever. This uh, most recent episode, episode 44, is two hours about our history watching movies, thinking about movies, talking about movies online, what it means, what we think film criticism is and how to get better at it. Um... So if you like this podcast and you want like some behind the scenes thoughts of how me and Jackson became friends, because it's uh, inexorably tied to movies, uh, please check out that podcast. Yep. Um, that's the plugs. Though. Yeah. Um, that's it. Uh, we won the space race. Us oh. here, three, listening to making this podcast. So, <laughs> I mean, I, it was only because no one else was there. It's three and a half hours long. Yeah, that's true. Can't can't emphasize enough how much that movie is over three hours long. Um, in like a moment of curiosity, I clicked on the Irishman the other day, going, "Oh, what what that's about?" And then saw it was three hours twenty nine minutes long, which I had somehow forgotten, even though I know everyone talked about it. Uh, Immediately closed it. Just closed it in a second. Three hours and twenty nine minutes long. I'm so sorry. I'm never picking one this long again. Close the player. I mean, there's a couple I want to watch that are definitely around this long, so we'll have long movies again. You just watch them over two nights. That was what we did with this one. It was fun. Yes, we did. I just, like, split it at a good intermission moment. Yeah. Uh, we got as far as we could the first night, and then around an hour and 50 minutes, Destiny was like, I'm tired. And I'm like, you know what? I'm fine stopping this right now. And it's good because we ended right as the movie started getting really bad in the last hour, so it was fine. Worked out. Yeah. Um. But uh, that's it. Um, until next time. Oh, don't expect to like him. <laughs> <laughs> so until next time, what? What do you mean? Until next no, time? I have nothing. I, you know, you just gotta say the words, and we can stop. So I'm gonna stop now. <laughs> <laughs>